This is Black Girls Love True Crime, a true crime podcast told from the perspective of a Black girl. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Black Girls Love True Crime. It's your host, T. Uh, It's been a minute, man. It's been a minute since I hopped on here to record an episode of this podcast. And for those of you that have been waiting on another episode, I'm so sorry for keeping you waiting. Um, I hope that in the past month or so since I uploaded, I don't think it's been that long, maybe in the past three weeks since I've uploaded um, an episode, I hope that we've, um, I've been able to, you know, gain more listeners um, and just people, you know, excited to listen to another episode. I'm very excited to be sitting here um, once again in my car, for those of you who know. Um, once again in my car, uh, looking, you know, trying to record another episode. And I'm um, really looking forward to telling this true crime story. Uh, I hope that everyone has been well since the last time that you listened to my voice. I hope that everyone is staying safe. I hope that wherever you are, things are getting better. Um, you know, uh, whatever lockdowns, I, I hope that, you know, they're starting to lift and life is, you know, going back to what we used to know it to be. Um, it's getting warmer where I am here. Um, it's... it's getting to be springtime. Um, it's getting really kind of hot, to be honest. Um, but I'm looking forward to a nice summer. Um, hopefully, we're able to move around, you know, a lot more this time. Uh, maybe plan a nice little family vacation somewhere. Um, and we don't have to wear a mask anymore. I just got, I got my first dose um, of the vaccine. And I'm, you know, I obviously have the second one scheduled. So hopefully, Things are, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and we can see the light. Um, And so I just send positive thoughts and love to everyone listening to my voice. So let us get to our episode. Um, Today we are in Morocco. Morocco, Morocco, Morocco. I I feel like every time that I record any of these episodes, wherever we are, I'm always like, oh, I love this country. I can't wait to visit this country. But to be really, really honest, it's not even a lie. That's how much I enjoy. Um, I just like the continent of Africa. And there are so many places that I want to visit. And honestly, there are many places that I haven't visited. I've only really been to a few countries. And so every time that I record something, I'm always like, oh, man, I've heard about this and I've heard about that and I've heard this about this country. Um, so this is one of those places I've heard. I've heard a few things about Morocco. I know I've also seen people's pictures in Marrakesh where they're having fun and it's like very Insta worthy. Um, and so obviously I also know that type of, you know, really cool, you know, vibey place that everyone visits. Um, but that's where I am today. I mean, I'm in Morocco. And um, so like, like we started a few, a few episodes ago, I'm going to say some fun facts about the country before I delve into our episode, because I think it's just a cool way to shed light on the continent of Africa for anyone who is listening, who doesn't know enough about Africa or, you know, doesn't know very much about Africa. Um, for me, really, honestly, going into all of these countries and or, or going to read up on, you know, specific true crime stories from all of these countries, it's always really nice to start off with something positive, you know what I mean, about these countries. And I just really like hearing about the countries that I'm reading about. So we're in Morocco today. Morocco is a country in the 
north in North Africa. Um, one of the really interesting things that I found about Morocco actually is that it's only eight miles from Europe. Um, so because of that, there's a lot of European influences. Um, I think especially like um, Spanish influences in parts of Morocco. So I didn't know that. Um, apparently, uh, Morocco in Arabic is Al-Marjreb. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's Al-Marjreb, which means the place where the sun sets. Um, sounds very, very poetic. Um so it's a Muslim country, Morocco. Um, another fun fact is that Friday is Couscous Day, which sounds really, really cool. Um, and it's like the equivalent of a Sunday roast. So it's like a really big deal. Um, and then um, what else? What is another fun thing that I saw? Mint tea is a national drink, apparently. That's one of the things that I found, um, which is really cool. Um Apparently, it is called, um, where did I see that? It's called something like Berba, Berba whiskey or something like that is what I saw, which I thought was really interesting because I, um, I read that like, you know, yeah, tea or as Moroccans call it, it's called Berba whiskey. It's the country's na national tea. Um, and it's called Tia Alamonte or Alamont. And it's also known, it's also green mint tea. Um, and so, so that was really interesting. That's one thing I found. Um, Morocco has one of the best cuisines in the world that I can definitely, I, I do like, you know, what I know to be Moroccan food. But you know how sometimes you think, oh, you know, a, a specific type of country's food or a region's food and really it's just like a bootleg version of it. But at least what I know to be Moroccan food, I think that I like. Um also, let us see. Apparently, Morocco um, is one of the most popular film settings in the world, which when I think back, I guess I can actually I can actually see that. Um, so, you know, we have films like, you know, like shows like the Game of Thrones. Um, actually, most of the scenes, a lot of the scenes were in um, they were filmed in Morocco. Um, we have other things like The Mummy Re Returns, um, Mission Impossible, Casablanca, um, we're filmed in Morocco, so it's actually really funny. And then another really kind of random fact also is the fact that it, Morocco is apparently the only producer and the expert of argan oil. This might be really silly for a lot of people who don't use argan oil, but I actually use argan oil a lot for my hair. So I found that to be, you know, rather interesting that that's the only producer and exporter of argan oil. So that's good on Morocco. So I think that those are like, you know, nice little fun facts um, for anyone thinking of visiting Morocco. Um, and, and then I just know that it's like I said, the pictures that I've seen, it seems like such a beautiful place. You know, I know that also a lot of times whatever is kind of shown of a specific country or region is a very, very tiny, you know, part of that place or whatever we're seeing on Instagram or whatever media is showing is not necessarily the true depiction of that place. But, you know, for, for, so, so take, take that with a grain of salt, but from what I've seen, it's a very beautiful place. So that's Morocco. So now let's go to Black Girls Love True Crime, which is what our podcast is, you know, so it's about your crime. It's not necessarily about all of the beauties of Morocco. Um, it's about a lot of some of the darkness that have happened in this country. So we are actually going way back, way back, way back this time. Um, and we're going to um, 1906. 
are going to 1906. And we are talking about someone called the, or some, the, a, a serial killer who was, you know, coined uh, or named the Mar- Marrakesh Arch Killer. He was the Marrakesh Arch Killer. And it was a Moroccan serial killer who murdered at least 36 women. And so, you know, it's very interesting about this story. So this story have actually, this was one of the first, like, stories that I had thought I was going to start off my podcast with like I had seen it and I was like hmm this seems really interesting but I don't really feel like there's very much to say like literally on wiki was like two paragraphs and I'm like all right I don't really see how I can build a whole episode off of that and so every time that I would go do research I would always find something new you know another episode and then but every time this episode always I mean this um this this guy always came up and so I I always kind of put it at the back burner like at some point I'll probably do it maybe as like a mini episode or something like that but then I found something that was a little bit different like the angle that they were coming with um that I saw about this was a little bit different and so we're gonna talk a little bit and really it's not very much about what he did as far as like how he killed people but the way that he was executed was actually very, very bizarre. And so we're going to talk focus on that, maybe even a little bit more than the actual murders. Um, so like I said, this was the story of, um, his name was Haj Mohammed Mesfoui. Um, and this was in 1906. He um, was known as the Moroccan Arch, arch Killer. And so on Wednesday... Um, so let's see. And so, and so, so, well, let's talk about that. Let me, let me not go because I was about to start talking about the um, execution of him, but that's, let's, let's first talk a little bit about him. So he was a shoemaker by trade, um, as well as a public letter writer. Um, and so if you guys hear, um, you know, any cars or whatever in the background, for those of you who know, you know, um, I, I filmed this in my, in my garage and so you might hear cars driving by but you know it's just the personality of our podcast that's what it is so um Haj Mohammed Masfawi was a shoemaker by trade he was also a public letter writer and so essentially I think you know back you know during colonialism it involved acting as an intermediary that conveys letter legal matters to colonial authorities and so that's what he was um, my understanding, um, so let's see, so, so that's who he was, and so, and so as a result, I think he was actually, like, at least from my, from my reading of him, was actually a pretty smart guy, I think he spoke a lot of languages, um, or, you know, so he was able to at least write, you know, do this job pretty well, because of that, but he was a shoemaker, um, and he was also a letter writer, uh, so let's see. Um, so he was born sometime between the 1850s and the 1870s. Um, and so another thing that is really interesting about this is that he had an accomplice. And his accomplice was what made this even more odd. Um, and also makes me question his smartness, to be quite honest. His accomplice was a 70-year-old, yes, a 70, 70 70-year-old woman that was either named Rahali or Anna, um, depending on the source that you see. Um, so with her help, he often drugged women when they came to his shop 
He drugged them with wine. People who visited, visited his shop to use his services. Um, and then after that, he mutilated them with a dagger and he finally killed them as they lay unconscious. And so some of this of his victim victims were eventually, you know, were beheaded. Um, of his victims, the body of 26 of them were found buried under his shop, while the remaining 10 were buried in his garden. This is insane. So I think my understanding for from some of the readings that I that I you know that I found is that he would you know because I mean I can imagine how a seventy year old woman would not seem to be a threat to anyone, and so they I think she would kind of like lure them into the shop and then this guy would do the killing. Uh, my understanding is that so from what I'm reading here, he was caught after the parents of one of the young victims traced her movement back to the shop. Um, and then that's how they found him. And so, uh, so then, so let's see. So obviously, like I said, this his accomplice was a 70 year old woman. And so she died while after, you know, they had caught them and while she was being tortured, um, that, you know, if you ever think you want an accomplice to commit um, heinous crimes, probably don't pick a 70 year old woman because, you know, she's not going to be very much help to you. Um, or, or maybe she would, I guess, because clearly she helped him here. And so, um, also even when he was doing that, he also even robbed some of his victims. And so, you know, after, you know, there was disappearance from a lot of, from a lot of women, I mean, a lot of disappearance of a lot of women, um, authorities started to figure out like what was going on. And so let's see. Um, and so, so like I said, the parents of one of the girls traced her last whereabouts to the store. And so they led them to this older 70 year old woman who quickly confessed while she was being tortured by police. Um, and so ultimately she died during the forceful interrogation. And so they caught the, this, you know, Hajj, Hajj, they caught him. Um, and so he was sentenced to death. And so let's talk about his execution. He was sentenced to de death and he was sentenced to be executed on May 2nd, 1909. And the initial method of execution was supposed to be crucifixion, um, which is, I mean, that sounds brutal enough to me, but apparently not to the people um, of Marrakesh. They weren't having it. They were like, this guy has done too much. He deserves to be put down more than this. And so the initial method of crucifixion was deemed to be, um, well, so, you know, <laughs> okay, no, scratch that. So apparently the initial method that they wanted to use to execute him was going to be crucifixion. And this was deemed to be too brutal, quote unquote, by the French diplomats. And so, um, and so they were thinking that, so they then decided that a more humane way a more humane way to execute him was instead to wall him, for him to be walled to death. And it's also known as immurement. So I had to Google this for those of us who don't know what this means. Essentially, it's like burying someone alive. So it's like putting someone in a closed space. There are no windows, there's nowhere, kind of like someone like in a coffin and then just letting them die, dehydration, starvation, all of the things that you you can think about. 
And so I, I am literally looking at a headline. It says, an awful fate. Um, an arch murderer walled up in a living tomb and left to starve. News headline in 1907. And I think I'm going to put this on my Instagram page. So let's take a segue really quickly. That's a nice segue. Um, I have an Instagram page now, Black Girls Love True Crime. Please check it out. Um, I think it's fun. Um, and I hope to be able to get some more interaction on there so I can get a sense of what people are vibing with. But this is going to be on there. I think this, this, um, news headline. And so before the execution of this, you know, putting him in a living tomb or walling him up, he was taken to like a daily market square, you know, and he was stripped down. Um, his arms were held apart by two men and he was whipped with, uh, thorny um, akakai, and it's a type of shrub shrub that was native to the region. And so he would take like, um, apparently they said he withstood 10 lashes every day, which was carefully considered number as the authorities did not want him to die of his injuries before his ex- execution. These people back then knew how to torture somebody, okay? So they're like, we're going to beat you every single day, but we're going to beat you enough just enough that you do not die because we still want you to want to make sure that you are able to die in this coffin. Um, and so the daily torture continued onto its edu- execution on May 11th. Um, on Monday, I'm sorry, uh, is, is, is um, the torture continued onto its edu- execution on Monday, the 11th of June. So if I go back, so the execution started, was supposed to be on the 2nd of May, and this continued until the 11th of June. So this was this was like a good month, um, over a month. And so that's when he was entombed alive. And so news of the edu- ex- execution made its way across Morocco and thousands stood under the sun in order for them to witness this man, you know, dying. And so um, unaware of his fate, um, Mesfoui, um, Ohaj, that was his first name. He left the jail like every other day thinking, you know what, it's cool. I'm used to this. I'm just going to be whipped a couple of times and I can deal with it. So he thought that he was going to go get his daily, daily weeping. And then when he saw the massive crowds, he must have been like, ah, oh, no, nah, this is a different type of situation today. And then he saw the hole that was dug into one of the walls of the marketplace. And then he understood what he was walking into. And so he screamed and he fought and he begged for mercy. Um, but nope, they were not having it. The guards pushed him forward. And so he was thrust into the hole as the crowd continued to cheer. And they um, threw filth on him and just threw everything at him. I mean, these are these people are merciless, man. They They just were not having it. And so his cries for mercy um, were drowned out by all of the yells and the roaring of the um, of the angry mob. Um, they just weren't having it. Yo, it's interesting. Can you imagine if this shit happened like in a time like this now? And I don't even know. I mean, I'm also speaking from a very, very myopic view of someone who lives in the U.S. And if this was happening here. And I honestly, I'm not even sure if something like this doesn't happen in other countries because it very well could. Um, but in any case, uh, so he was held upright in the hole. Um, they said, thanks to metal chains that were hung on either side, he stood there whipping as a 
mason and um, placed a stone after stone on him. Um, and then the executioner providing him with water and bread in between. And so the ultimate aim here was for the criminal to die um, in a long, painful and agonizing fashion so that he would be provided provision so that he could live long enough to suffer even more. This is this is so methodical and really, I mean, you know, this is very interesting. Whenever I read about the way that, you know, this serial killers and um, rapists and murderers are, um, you know, how the crime, like how they are punished or the consequences that they have for the crimes that they commit. Because on one hand, you know, I do feel a certain level of like, oh man, this is still a person. But then on the sec- on the other, on the other, you know, on the other side, I'm like, but you did kill 36 women, you know, without any remorse. And you probably would have continued killing people if, you know, you weren't caught. So should we really feel bad for you? Um, so like I said, they're like putting stone on stone on him. And then finally, the last stone covered his face and only his muffled cries could be heard. Can you imagine like, yo, that sounds like a terrible way to go. Like literally stones are just put on you. Like stones are just put all over you to cover you up. And he died two days later. His cries for help and clemency growing weaker and weaker until the time that he finally died. And apparently the crowds dissipated or dissipated, disappointed that he succumbed so quickly. So they were like, just two days? That's all it took for this man to die after he killed 36 people. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm literally, I'm so glad I found this because, I mean, that sounds really morbid, but I just mean that reading this makes me just kind of picture, I can just picture what the situation was like. You know what I mean? Like, I can imagine people in the crowd being like, yeah, 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 like, kill him. And, you know, it's 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 crazy. I mean, I so, so I think that that was really one of the more, like, interesting things about this um, was definitely what he did was bizarre and crazy um, and insane. But I didn't even have that much detail about what he did, only that he lured women in with this older woman, with the help of this older woman. And then he killed them. But what was even more bizarre is the way that he was punished for it. So that was that was Marrakesh. That was what they were they were into. They were like, you're not fin- to kill our women and then go scot-free without being punished, like, ultimately. And they did that. So that is the story of the bizarre ex- execution of the Marrakesh murderer. Um, he was also known as the Marrakesh arch killer. Um, so that's, 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 that's what, that's, that's what I have for this episode. I think that it was kind of interesting to see another perspective, you know, of, um, of, you know, serial killing and like just another arm of it. And I'm going to keep looking for more and more and more, um, you know, stories from the continent. I really, really, you know, hope that I get some feedback from anyone who is listening um, anyone at all. Uh, I think I've said it several times, but like all of my contact is going to be in the show notes. Um, you can reach me at via email on storiesbyt at protonmail.com. Um, I'm going to put that in the show notes. I'm also going to put our Instagram handle on there at blackgirls.lovetruecrime. 
Um, so please hit me up on there. Um, I just want to hear, you know, anything that anyone has, any feedback that anyone has on this episode. And also, like I said, I want to hear any stories that you guys have from your hometowns. Um, it would be really great if I hear specifically from people on the continent of Africa, because that's what this podcast is about, you know? Um, I'm really excited that I was able to film another episode today or record another episode today. Um, I'm really going to be, you know, attempt to be way more consistent. And, you know, once again, anyone who's listening, thank you for listening. I appreciate you. I am wishing you all of the best and sending you all the positive energy and positive thoughts and, you know, just everything good, um, sending it your way through the podcast waves. Um, so yeah, have a good rest of the day, wherever you're at. Um, and just, you know, um, wishing you all the best, uh, and talk to you, or I guess you guys would, yeah, talk to you really, um, next time. Bye.